Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and today's episode we'll be talking about using minimal style shoes and living life feet first. Today's guest is Steven Sashin. Steven is a serial entrepreneur who has never had a job, former professional stand-up comic and award-winning screenwriter, and a competitive sprinter, one of the fastest men over 55 in the country, maybe the fastest 55-plus Jew in the world. <laughs> <laughs> he and his wife, Lena Phoenix, co-founded the footwear company Zero Shoes creating a movement movement which has helped hundreds of thousands of people live life feet first with happy, healthy, strong feet and addictively comfortable footwear. Steven and Lena has appeared, sorry, also appeared in um, Shark Tank where they turned down turned down a $400,000 offer from Kevin O'Leary. Steven, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Good to be here. No problem. Well, again, like I said, I appreciate you being on here. I myself uh, have been using zero shoes for the last year, so it's a, it's a very, very... Uh, big pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks. So let me start by asking you a question. So what inspired you to do that? And what did you notice from when you made the switch? So what inspired me going to minimal shoes or zero shoes? Um, or both, actually. Journey? Yeah, I'm curious about both. Um, I actually, so I've always liked, so I train barefoot. That's kind of like the biggest thing. Uh, I train here inside BFit Biscayne where my practice is located in. Um, and I like to train uh, barefoot. But when I do a lot of the classes, and there's uh, six, seven, 10, 15 people around in a class, uh, it's uh, very hard to do that. Um, now you like safety-wise, but you never know what they're tracking in. But also too, there was running involved in a lot of the classes, so that was the big part of it. Um, and I also wanted to get into running. I'm not a big runner, uh, but I like to now and then uh, add it in. Um, so that was a big portion. So I was like, okay, I really like uh, being able to train barefoot, but I can't have, I can't have that experience wearing normal shoes. Um, and obviously this, this almost uh, turnaround of people now trying to get into this movement. I said, you know what? I think this is a good time. Uh, but I was also, uh, reading the, uh, I think it's called the revolutionary runner. Uh, I don't remember Dr. I forget his name, but anyway, uh, he basically talks a pose method. He came up with the pose. Oh, method. sure. So, uh, so, and in that, they had like a week by week kind of gradual transition into running. Um, and in there, they recommended uh, minimal shoes. So I went through the ringer of um, kind of like doing the research on Google. And uh, you guys popped up on, <laughs> on, on uh, and I think it was a video of you and your wife talking about zero shoes. And I was like, wow, this sounds very personal, right? Mm. Like it's not, it wasn't like your average video. It yeah. was like two people talking. And I said, huh, this is very interesting. And again, I didn't, I haven't heard about you guys until that point. So I was like, okay, I've heard of Vivo. I've heard of uh, Vibram. I've never heard of Zero. So after that video, I was kind of hooked to you guys' mission and uh, your story. And to me, that's very important. Like if I can connect to the person uh, rather than the product, and obviously the product was good, uh, I was like, let me give us a shot. So, and that's kind of where it led and it was a whole learning experience from then on yeah definitely well thank you for that that was really really interesting yeah of course of course um so tell us a little bit how i mean we kind of got a little rundown but 
how did you get into the footwear industry? Oh, that was a mistake. Um, so, <laughs> in fact, it's about seven months into the business, Lane and I had met some guys who had all started at Reebok about 35 years earlier. And they were in our house and said to us, you know, we would do this with you because we really believe in what, we're, what you're doing. But we've been in footwear for so long that we're not stupid enough to try and start a shoe company. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and Lane and I said, yeah, we know that we're being hyper-optimistic and naive, but that's pretty much the only way anything ever gets done. So let's jump in. And boy, had I any idea what they were referring to, because it is really, really difficult. Making things is hard. Making footwear is really hard. And competing against multi-billion dollar brands, of course, is uh, not the easiest Mm -hmm. thing in the world. But what happened was kind of similar to you in a way. I got started because I, well, I'm not a runner. I'm a sprinter. So I I run the 100 meters outdoors, indoor meets. I run the 50 or the 60, depending on the track. I hear a rumor that there's these things at the end of the track called turns, I believe. Or maybe there's a thing called the other side of a track. I don't use it, so I'm not really familiar with that. And I uh, got back into sprinting and was getting injured pretty much constantly. And a friend of mine who's a world champion cross-country runner, he suggested that I take off my shoes and try running barefoot. Um, He said, you know, see if you learn anything. And what I learned was why I was getting injured and frankly, how to stop getting injured. And basically, it's because doing it wrong when your barefoot hurts, doing it right doesn't. And so I love that barefoot experience. I wanted that natural movement experience as often as I could have it. And so I did a bunch of research and basically ended up making a pair of sandals based on a design that is kind of what human beings have been doing for, well, since the beginning of footwear. Uh, there's a an archaeological dig where they found a pair of sandals in Oregon and I, they're dated to about 10,000 years and they look just like what our my original product was pretty much. So something to give your, your foot some protection, something to hold that onto your foot and really not a whole lot else. And I was just making sandals for local barefoot runners and minimalist runners and one day one of them said, you know, I got a book coming out on barefoot running. And if you had a website, I could put you in my book. And I rushed home and pitched this idea, this brilliant idea to my wife who assured me that it was in fact a horrible idea and insisted that I don't do it. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. And after she went to bed, I built a website and it just took off. And here we are almost 10 years later. Wow. 10 years ago. This, uh, this journey started. Yeah, well, and for the first three and a half of those years, all we were selling was a do-it-yourself sandal-making kit. So you could have that same basic experience uh, that I originally had and that same thing that human beings have had for millennia of learning how to take something really simple and turning it into something simple and giving you protection, which is, again, all you really need to walk, run, hike, mm-hmm. do pretty much anything you can think of. Wow. That is crazy. So you went from, again, a, I guess, I mean, you didn't, you would do events as a sprinter. You wouldn't just run. You would do. Yeah, no, I I compete. There's a whole master's track and field circuit uh, for, and master's typically starts for people over 35. And I was well over 35. Actually, I was 45 when I started. Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm an actual competitive sprinter. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to go hit the track for a workout. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So why the name Zero? Oh, a couple things. One is that it kind of implies Zero, Z-E-R-O, even though we are Zero, X-E-R-O, which is just about um, mm-hmm. being as close to nothing as possible, as close to barefoot as possible. So X-E-R-O is close mm-hmm. to Z-E-R-O. It's also more memorable that way. And it also kind of... Uh, kind of hints at the, just the lightweight factor. So when you wear our shoes, some of them are so lightweight, you can, you barely remember you have them on. We've had people who told us they accidentally went to bed still wearing their shoes because they didn't remember they had them on their feet. So zero just kind of combines that whole flavor of 
lightweight and close to barefoot and uh, and also just is something that's kind of memorable because we are an X instead of a Z. So what does, I guess, uh, for the listeners, what does a, what are the qualities of a minimal? Ooh, that's a really good shoe? question because a lot of that has been confused and conflated by the big shoe companies who come out with products that they call minimalist, but that aren't minimalist. So the whole idea of a minimalist shoe was originally just something a little lighter weight than what was currently made for you know the last 50 years, which is a big, thick, padded, motion-controlled thing that can weigh about a pound a piece. And so many of the many of the big shoe companies, when they came out with, uh, well, let me back up. So in 2009, 2010, this whole idea of running barefoot became popular. And the big shoe companies were frankly terrified that people were going to never buy another shoe again. And so that's when they came out with what they started calling minimalist shoes, which they claimed gave you the same benefits as being barefoot, uh, but in fact did not because they were still basically just shoes. So they still had cushioning and more cushioning than they needed and elevated your heel, which messes with your posture and had a shape where it kind of squeezed your toes together. Uh, and no one had ever claimed that a shoe with that design that was just basically using lighter materials and was a little lower to the ground and a little less heel lift uh, was going to give you the same benefits as barefoot. But the shoe companies were panicked that, that again, nobody would ever buy their stuff again. So that's what they came up with to still make something that looked familiar that they could kind of justify, but again, not even close to certainly barefoot and not even close to what those of us who are uh, in this space now are doing. So a true minimalist shoe, and I refer to it that way, um, well, for fun, there's a researcher at Harvard named Dr. Irene Davis. And Irene breaks down shoes into what she calls minimalist and partial minimalist. And I have accused her of just being politically correct instead of saying true minimalist and fake minimalist. So I'm going to use true minimalist. So a true minimalist shoe starts with basically no midsole, no big foam or EVA midsole. Uh, the second thing is it's going to be super, super flexible. So you can roll it up into a ball because your foot is flexible, your shoe needs to be. The third is going to be really lightweight. And you want as little on your foot as possible. Weight just adds extra, uh, well, just you don't need it is the simple version. And then um, most minimalist shoes or what people think of as barefoot shoes have one other component, which is a wide enough toe box to let your toes <clears throat> spread and splay and move naturally. And also the sole is thin enough so that you can get feedback from the ground. You have 200,000 nerve endings in each of your feet, and that's designed so that your brain can know what's happening with your feet so it can effectively and efficiently control your entire body. Your brain needs that feedback. So thin enough for feedback, thin enough uh, with no heel lift so it doesn't mess with your posture, let your foot be flexible, wide enough for your toes to spread. And what you'll find from the big shoe companies is violations of some, if not all of those. So many of the shoes they call minimalists still have uh, heel lift and still have midsole, midsole foam and don't let you feel the ground and still squeeze your toes together. So that's the thing to look for. Um, they, some, mm -hmm. They're lightweight often, um, but, uh, but on, everything, uh, on every other category, they drop the ball. What's the, I mean, I guess, what's the importance of not having yeah. a cushion? Is there like a benefit? I mean, I know you mentioned uh, the feedback and the protection and the flexibility, but what's the... Yeah, let me do it the other way around. Um, so it seems intuitive that running is hard or painful or applies a lot of force onto your body, so you need cushioning. But that's complete nonsense 
running is only hard like that when you're wearing shoes that have cushioning. Because if you're going barefoot or wearing a truly minimalist shoe, you're going to run in a way where you're using the muscles and ligaments and tendons in your body as the natural springs and shock absorbers that you have that people have been using for millennia. So the the question isn't what's the value of going minimalist. The question really is to the shoe companies, where's the proof that that extra cushioning is providing value? And they have None. In fact, research from Christine Pollard from uh, Oregon State, she looked at the at the the maximalist shoes, the shoes with a lot of cushioning, and found that the f- impact forces that you get when you wear those mm-hmm. are not reduced in any way compared to a normal shoe, or even and certainly compared to uh, to being in barefoot or or someone running um, who's familiar with a minimalist shoe, which surprised her. Frankly, she thought more cushioning would be better. And in fact, it's not. And one weird reason for this is because again, those nerve endings in the soles of your feet, your brain wants the feedback. And if it can't get the feedback because you've got all this cushioning, that's, that's muting the signals you're getting from the ground. It tries to make you land harder to get some information, to know how to use your feet, to know how to balance. So the advantage is simply that you're able to use your body more naturally. And here's the thing, foam breaks down very quickly. Most companies, shoe companies say you have to replace your shoes every three to 500 miles because that's when the foam is breaking down. Research actually shows that the amount of breakdown at say 200 miles is barely more than it is at 60 or 70 miles. So the foam is wearing out and breaking down very quickly, which if it breaks down in particular ways can cause imbalances and postural problems if it breaks down more on the inside or more on the outside of your heel, for example. The other thing is foam is tuned essentially to a particular weight and a particular speed or basically a particular force with which you hit the ground. And you're basically not going to be that weight and traveling at that speed. You're not going to be applying force the way that the foam is designed. So it's going to be sucking energy out of you. Uh, Big footwear companies call it energy return. They talk about having better energy return, but that's, again, complete nonsense. Foam sucks energy out of your body. End of story. There's no way it can provide energy return. It's not going to get more than you put into it. That's physically impossible. So what they really should be um, advertising is less energy suck. So the gist is that by getting rid of all of that, you're giving your brain the information it needs to use your body more naturally. And your and research from Harvard's Daniel Lieberman shows that you apply less force into the ground and less force through the joints, through your ankle, your knee, your hip, and into your back. And again, you're using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons as springs and shock absorbers naturally. It's funny you say that because one of the craziest, most... Uh... Like the thing that I learned the the quickest when I transitioned uh, one of my transitions into the minimal shoe into the zero shoe yeah. was yeah 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 hard that, I was you know, my, my wife had the I same thing <laughs> yeah when, my Sorry. wife when I made her a pair of sandals that was the first thing she noticed was when she was just walking to the Boulder Farmers Market she was slamming her feet into the ground like she was a high powered Chicago attorney who was late for a trial and and then then of course the second thing is she learned how to stop doing that because when your brain gets that information that you're doing something painful it very quickly tries to help you figure out how to cut that out yeah it was immediately i felt i i give the analogy or i guess the example of it's like if you walk with your it's it's almost like you know when women get their nails done or the, <laughs> yeah, their yeah. toes done and they're like up in the air and they're like yeah. walking more on the heels that's what it felt like i was walking those those times i was like yeah what like i would step and be like boom boom and it took me a long time again and 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 mind you for anyone listening 
uh, as a health and, and a performance therapist, this is kind of what I do. I help people perform, move, work out, uh, relieve pain, eliminate pain. So for me to feel that, I was like, I'm pretty yeah. in tune with my body. And I never felt this. Obviously, uh, with the shoes that I've been normally been using, they have a good inch, inch and a half uh, cushion. So you don't feel that. So you're, you're, you start to you learn how to walk in this particular manner. So when you don't have that, it's kind of like a giant <laughs> step that you have to take. So, well, you yeah, know, and so it's that, not that, that you don't feel it when you're wearing a cushion I, shoe I because people do feel it. It's just, they feel it somewhere else. They typically end up feeling it in their knees or in their hips or in their back. Because when you're landing on your heels that way, you're sending a spike of force. It's called an impact transient force spike. You're sending a spike of force right up through your joints. Again, instead of using those muscles, ligaments, and tendons the way you're supposed to. Is so is I guess a, a good question a question Absolutely. I get all the time is Absolutely. is minimal shoes for everyone well, well, or is there a particular time is there a particular well, yeah okay, okay. all right is let there, me qualify my absolutely so may not be, if or? you have if you have some actual physical deformity that's <laughs> that's one reason where you might well, you might not be able to handle yeah. a minimal shoe maybe you can if you are um, in a particular activity that requires something that you can't get in a minimalist shoe, then that's a situation. So for example, um, again, I'm a sprinter. So sprinting, when you're going at full speed, you need a pair of spikes or what's referred to as a pair of spikes, literally shoes with metal spikes that come out of them to be able to grip into the track. Uh, and so, and while technically those are minimalist shoes in many ways, um, not not in some, they squeeze your toes together and they have some other issues, but they're lightweight They're They let you feel the ground, et cetera. Uh, and soccer players, if you're playing on a muddy, muddy soccer pitch, you're going to need something with some cleats. Uh, but again, those shoes are bad for you for other reasons in, in their design. Uh, but fundamentally what I like to ask is, you know, can you walk barefoot? And if you're okay walking barefoot, you're okay in a minimalist shoe. And if you're not okay walking barefoot, mm -hmm. then you got to look and see what's going on. I've talked to people who've been in motion controlled, arch supported shoes and orthotics for so long that they can't walk barefoot on say a hardwood floor. And they think that that's because there's something wrong with them. And it's like, well, here's what's wrong with you. You put your foot in a situation where it couldn't move. Think about putting your arm in a cast when your arm's in a cast for a little while, it gets weaker until you can't use it correctly. Well, that makes no sense. You want to get your arm out of the cast and do some strengthening things so you can use it again. Well, same thing. If you put your foot in a shoe that doesn't let your foot bend and move and flex and feel naturally, it's going to get weaker over time. And there's actually research coming out that shows that this is true. It's amazing. We have to do research to prove what's so obvious, but you know, we, we do. But um, if you've put your foot in a situation where it can't move, mm -hmm. it gets weaker and it can get so weak that you can't use it naturally for a little while. You can always build up strength again and then start using your feet naturally and walking barefoot and being in a minimalist shoe. So I've never met anyone who can't make that transition. It just takes a different amount of time for different people based on what they've been doing up until then. But I, can you think of a situation where being able to use your body the way it's built isn't something you can do outside of having some massive injury or deformity? There you go. <laughs> right. No. It's funny you say that because... I'm, I've never been a, a big fan of, of uh, orthotics. 
And especially when somebody's coming in with foot pain. Well, you know why? Uh, but you tend to see well, that. Well, here's like why. Because most doctors, doctors, A, don't well, know what's easy. really going right. on. And they think immobilizing the foot is somehow good because B, they can make a lot of money by selling someone an orthotic. But the research on orthotics is very clear. They help maybe 10% of the people. No one knows which ones are why. And a custom-made orthotic for $1,000 is not necessarily better than a you know $25 thing you can pick up at your local pharmacy. Uh, and But the simplest thing is if you talk to most people who understand biomechanics, a an orthotic is designed to let your foot basically rest while you heal. And the goal is to get out of it as quickly as possible. And uh, most people think that it's, I mean, again, why would you put your foot in a cast for the rest of your life? Tell me how that's good to immobilize a joint that has more, that has a quarter of the bones and joints of your entire body in it. Why, why does that make any sense to, to permanently immobilize that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great analogy with the arm cast. I mean, it's, it's true, especially in, I mean, in rehab, right? You have a certain amount of time. Of, well, you, of you, time. you just nailed and it. And that, um, I, I once asked Irene Davis how she became the preeminent researcher for natural movement and, and, and minimalist footwear. And she was a physical therapist who trained physical therapists how to make orthotics. And one day she had the, the exact realization that you just mentioned. She said, why is it that when someone comes in with any injury, our goal is to get them moving as fast as possible, except if it's about their feet. And it suddenly hit her that that made no sense. And that was the beginning of her wake up call. Hmm. Now, when is the best time for someone to start I mean, to really, transition now? into minimal shoes? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> is, yeah. Is there, is there anything that you guys, I mean, there's uh, certain things I kind of tend to tell patients if they're looking into doing something like that. But is that is there like recommendations that you Well, you know, have not necessarily using them as much just, as possible. You don't want to just switch to, to a new shoe and then go out and do whatever you were doing in your regular shoes. It's kind of like uh, even if you're, if let's say you wear some, you know, big, thick, padded, motion-controlled shoe from some major shoe company. If you're about to do a race and you have to get a new pair of that exact same shoe, Nobody would tell you just do, to go switch to the shoe and go do that race because you broke, pardon me, I got the hiccups. You broke in that old pair and um, it's sort of, you've adapted to them, they've adapted to you, and the new shoe is going to be different than your old shoe. Well, it's the same thing with a minimalist shoe. You don't want to just switch cold turkey, if you will. Um, you're going to want to get in and if you're just walking, just start walking. And you know the way I like to say it is based on the instructions I give people for running barefoot. If you want to learn how to run barefoot, you take off your shoes. You find a nice, smooth, hard surface, like a, a, a smoother sidewalk or a bike path or the, uh, the white line on the side of a road. And you don't want to use grass because A, you don't know what might be in the grass and B, running on, uh, on grass is kind of like just taking the cushioning that was in your shoe and putting it over the entire planet. So you want a nice, smooth, hard surface. It gives you the most feedback. You want to go for a very short run, like 20 or 30 seconds. And then the next day, you want to see how you feel. If you feel like you know, maybe you just got some muscle t- soreness because you used some muscles you haven't used in a while. That's fine. Just wait till that goes away and then do it again until you can do that 20 or 30 seconds and you don't get sore the next day and then add 10 seconds the next time and then add 10 seconds after, you know, with that one's fine, add 10 seconds to that and just keep building up slowly. If instead you feel like you hurt yourself in some way, you want to do something different till you're having fun. 
And what that means is that fun should be your guide. It's not a no pain, no gain kind of situation. Barefoot running should feel good. It should feel interesting. It should feel compelling and exciting because you're stimulating your body naturally. In fact, you can spot a barefoot runner on the road from a half a mile away because they're usually smiling or at least they look like they're having a good time. But the things that you're going to want to try differently are really pretty simple. You want to make sure you're not slamming your heel into the ground. So get your foot to land underneath your body instead of way in front of your body. Pick up your cadence. That's the number of steps you're taking per minute, but not your speed. Don't run faster. Just move your legs a little bit faster. And there's no magic number for how fast to go. Just a little bit faster than what seems normal or what seems familiar. And the other thing is when you come take your foot off the ground, don't try to push your foot off the ground by like flexing your foot and pointing your toes. Think about lifting your foot off the ground by flexing your hip. So like the analogy I give is if you stepped on a bee, you wouldn't push off the ground because that would die, drive the stinger into your foot further, you would lift your foot quickly off the bound, almost like off the ground, almost like a reflex. That's the kind of feeling you want to have when you're taking your feet off the ground. So don't overstride and heel strike, pick up your cadence a little bit. Don't push off the ground, but kind of think about lifting off the ground. And once you do that for a while, you know, you're, you're going to find that you're able to do more faster than you thought possible. Wow. Yeah, that's so what I started doing when I first got the zero shoes was uh, three days out of the week. So I work pretty much. Uh, so in my clinic, I'm working usually six, to five patients a day. Uh, so I'm on my feet a lot plus anything else. And if I work out, so what I tend to doing or what I ended up doing was taking two or three days uh, for like first two weeks to use the zero shoes. Uh, first day was half a day. Second day was like 75% of the day and then little by little progressing, uh, basically being as much as I felt comfortable mm -hmm. in them. Uh, and then I slowly started working out, nothing too plyometric or, or athletic. It was more like strength training uh, just to get my feet yeah. more comfortable. And then I started the same running tips that you mentioned is uh, minimize heel strike, uh, increase cadence. Um, and what I started to notice when I first uh, started yeah. running, I, I was it was very hard to shake. Obviously, you've been doing this. Uh, form and running form for yeah years mm. um the amount of calf pain that yeah. i had was insane but it gave me the the stimulus that i needed to be able to improve my cadence to reduce the amount of heel strike so it's like you said i did maybe uh it was like one i think i did like two or three sprints uh just to kind of test it out and then little by little started adding a little more volume a little more uh i don't really do too many miles but it was just for form uh, but, you know, little do uh, increasing dosage of either running or intensity in, in my workout or the <laughs> yeah. that I was actually using the shoes. And that's really where it got yeah. to a point where I couldn't wear anything else. <laughs> and I thought, all, all I wanted to wear was minimal shoes because when I went back, uh, when I went back to, uh, well, obviously now my shoes are minimal shoes. Yeah. So when I would wear uh, a yeah. regular shoe, I'd feel Yeah, Lena, um, my wife said, um, she like said, I I for a while, she said, I really hate running this company. Like I said, why? She well, I've been looking for a nice brown boot and I found one, but it's got a quarter inch heel. And when I put it on, I felt like I was going to fall in front of, on my face. And uh, happily, we now make a boot that she can wear. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, once you get used to doing what's natural, then what you were used to before feels what it is, unnatural. Oh yeah, and I mean I forgot what what book I read. Uh, Born to Run, I think what it was. When it talked, where it talked about um, 
hopefully I'm not saying this wrong, but I think it was like Indians or like native uh, mm-hmm. native people actually using the Hirachi style or the first known Hirachi yeah. style. The, yeah, these are the Tarumara Indians in the Copper Canyon the, of Mexico, but they're not the only ones who've come up with the same basic design. What they've, uh, what they did is, and other people have done this, is they took used scraps of tire and used that as the sole and some leather and just used that to strap it to their foot. And that's what they ran. I mean, they run sometimes hundreds of miles a day just as part of their daily life. Yeah, no issues. And so wait, let me back up. Not hundreds of miles, not plural. No, I don't know that anyone's actually run 200 wow, miles in a day. In I'm fact, I'm sure no one has, but they run, you know, super long distance all the time uh, just because that's how they get around. Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned uh, sports, right? Is there going to be a time where yeah. minimal shoes would be embedded into sports? I know, you know for example, I play baseball, so there's cleats, and I know you mentioned sports, or I'm sorry, uh, soccer. So you think uh, minimal shoes, or at least the uh, if I have my way uh, with it, updated yeah. version of what cleats and and sports shoes are now? You think they're? I wish I could give you an answer for that. Like Again, style? you know, like I said, making things is hard, and making shoes is really hard. Uh, it What's takes not only does it take time to develop something and to change what people have been doing for a long time. But uh, right. for a company our size, we're, we're a small but rapidly growing company. And we don't have the resources to really put into doing something like that. If we're going to go after sports, we need to make sure that we have the backing of some uh, highly visible athletes who are clearly doing this because of the benefits they've received from making the switch, not just because they're getting paid to do it. And that, of course, means that uh, typically we're making them throw away or rip up a very lucrative shoe contract they have with some major brand. So this is, um, it's on our to-do list. We're trying to find the right way to make it happen. What do you see as the biggest friction or resistance into? Yeah, I'll answer that in two ways. Um, the, a, the, the first is simply that we've had 50 uh, years of propaganda main, from main big shoe, shoe companies right? saying you need padding, motion control, arch support, and all those other things that are simply not true. The second, uh, the, the other way of answering the question is the only hurdle we need to overcome is experience. Once people put on a truly minimalist shoe, first they're amazed that you know their toes don't, aren't getting squeezed together. And then about how lightweight they are and how their foot can actually move and how nice it is to feel things. So once people have the experience, it's all over. Uh, but getting the to have that experience and to be inspired to ha- to go out and, and, and seek out that experience. That's really what it's going to take. I'm, I'm going to take education out of there. Education is the back so end. I mean, there's some people who get into it that way, but by and large, you just want people to have the experience. Like one of my favorite things that happens, someone will come into our office, they try on our shoes, they start taking a walk and their eyes pop out of their heads like, wow, these are so comfortable. And after a minute they go, but wait, don't I need arch support? And I'll say, well, how'd you feel just walking around for the last five minutes? They went, fine. I went, eh, then you don't. That is correct. In between Boulder and Denver. Wow. That's crazy. And you guys are based out of Colorado, correct? I remember uh, me and my wife went to, we went to go visit uh, one of our friends. Uh, They had just actually recently uh, moved to Denver. And uh, we were going, where were we going? 
Well, it says zero because there's a XERO accounting company or accounting software company. It's based out of New Zealand and they opened up their U.S. headquarters in Denver. So um, sadly, people can, well, it's not sad that people confuse us, but sadly, um, we are not at a size where we would have a giant downtown Denver building yet. Well, we've just launched a new product called the Speed Force, yeah, which so is our lightest and closest to barefoot, um, most minimal shoe. That's the thing that I'm wearing now, shoes. and it's what I'm going to be wearing on the track in about a half an hour. And it's uh, super, super lightweight, really, really comfortable. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. We've got a bunch of products that are coming out in 2020, maybe, th- let's see, three or four in the spring, and then four, maybe even five throughout the rest of the year. So the big one of the biggest things for us is just developing new products that are helping people with various um, goals that they have, whether it's trail running or road running or track running or something that they can use in the water or both on trails and in the water or something for cold weather. So there's a lot of, a lot of applications where people are looking for a particular product. Uh, and so we're making those. And the other thing is just getting the word out. We're really happy that we've been picked up by REI uh, we did well in them this year. They gave us a test. The test went very, very well. So they're bringing in a lot of product next year, and we're looking forward to that doing well again. Uh, and things are growing very quickly in Europe and Asia as well. So the business is growing. The product line is growing. And again, our goal is just to get more and more people to experience the fun and benefits of natural movement, because what's really driven the growth of our business and the whole natural movement idea is people's personal experience. And word of mouth, of course. How oh, fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I've uh, used the Speed Force. Uh, it was uh, a week okay. and a half ago for High Rocks. Uh, what basically is a average person's CrossFit event. So I don't necessarily, I really don't do CrossFit. But I do more of the boot camp, high intensity workouts, uh, especially here, like I said, where my office is located inside a uh, basically a uh, strength conditioning studio. Um, and they had this event, which was a 8,000 meter, uh, 8,000 meter run. Uh, yeah, 8,000 meter run. Plus in between those runs were uh, basically your workouts. You had rows, you had skiers, you had uh, broad jumps, yeah. you had... Uh, Sled push, pull, farmer's carry. So it was a strength workout with some, not some, a good amount of endurance, basically about 5.2 miles. And I did the whole event uh, in the Speed Force. And so before that, I had a whole year with the Prios, which is Zero's, uh, well, my first introduction into Zero's shoes. Um, and I loved it. But when I, when I got the Speed Force, they were lighter. And felt even better on your feet when you uh, worked out. So uh, one of the things with the Prios, because you're, you're, at least for me, the your feet can move in there a little bit. Uh, the Speed Force, they had this natural fitting, uh, not only the feel of your foot, but actually yeah. like the, yeah. for me, that, it was a lot more comfortable. Feel, feel too. Especially when it came to performance uh, within this event. Um, I felt like I wasn't wearing any shoes. <laughs> right. And it was... Yeah, it was it was awesome. It was awesome, and and, and actually the whole event was in, on concrete because it was in uh, Miami Beach Convention Center here. Uh, but like I said, I went through a whole endurance workout, a whole strength workout in two or in, in embedded into one, uh, basically yeah. our, <laughs> an hour and a half, which is not too too great, but it's not too bad. Um, and yeah, 
it survived really well. I survived very well. And, and uh, yeah, I survived. I was able to make it through. And, and again, my feet had no problems. I actually felt great. Oh, no, day. trust me. My pleasure. Uh, Frankly, so, yeah, really the, the, the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning that, uh, is hearing stories like models. yours and, you for, and, and stories uh, where people tell us how great, in many uh, ways, just uh, getting out of their big, thick, padded, motion-controlled shoes, their foot coffins, as we like to call them, um, and it's something that lets your foot move naturally has changed their life. And that's been super, super gratifying. And it's, it's the reason that we do what we do. Mm -hmm. I think, what, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, one of the things that, oh, that really, uh, really drove me to, 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 to wear zero shoes were, were you guys. I mean, obviously I, I understood the importance of footwear and the importance of foot mechanics and strength and all that stuff. And, uh, uh, how minimal shoes really could impact mm, your performance yeah. and not only that, but your life and, and, and health. But the way you guys are in most companies, you don't know who the owners are. <laughs> You don't know who the founders are. You don't know uh, the story, you know, yeah. the, the yeah. brand, the vision, the mission of the brand for the most part. But to hear you guys' story and to hear uh, the basically you guys are in the trenches just like we are. Um, so to, to hear that uh, as as a consumer, as someone that really believes in experience, as someone that really uh, values um purpose right it's not just you buying you you making a shoe but you guys are, are are really developing this movement that has a bigger purpose which is health and experience uh and to really again build this awareness uh to to everybody that's really this, <laughs> that wants to so um yeah i think a big strong part that uh, that allowed me to connect with you guys was uh yeah, uh, well, my pleasure. Of, I, I got to tell you, it, it wasn't right deliberate. Now, so, um, so uh, when I first yeah, so started that, the company, really I, I actually wanted to stay to, uh, out of the limelight, if you want, because I wanted the company to exist independently of me and Lena even more. She's more introverted than I am. And um, I made a couple of videos just showing how to make your own sandals, where the extent to which I was in the video was like, it was my face saying hi. And then it was my feet for five or 10 minutes. And after putting those videos out, people were recognizing me in public. And mm -hmm. I thought that was really kind of crazy. And it was not because they were recognizing my feet, although there were a couple of people who I think might've done that. But it, it, it then became obvious to me that um, we this is a very personal mission for us. Um, we both had an incredible ex life-changing experience when we got out of our regular shoes and we wanted to share that. And so that's when we kind of made the deliberate choice to be more visible uh, and, and transparent, frankly. Our company is very transparent. Um, you can find our finances on, on the web, on, um, not our website, on the SEC website. Um, we're very approachable and mm. we give out our personal phone numbers all the time. And uh, everything we do about the business is really wanting people to understand who we are, not just us, but everybody in the company, you know, who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so that was very kind of you to say and very nice to hear. Thanks. Of course. And then I have some contact info, which is basically zero shoes, X E R O S H O E. -S yeah. We're pretty much at or slash zero shoes everywhere. You would put an at or a slash. And that's basically zero shoes website, zero shoes.com. Yeah. Well, you know, go to our website, see what we're up to. I mean, if you need to get in touch with us, the best thing to do is drop us an email support at zero shoes.com, which is kind of an ironic thing to say since we're not about support. I just realized after 10 years that just hit me. But, or give us a call. Our contact info is all on our website.
that's hilarious. Um, and yeah. I did ask for a couple uh, book recommendations. And I'm not going to lie. When I read these, I was like, are these real titles? Uh, and basically, the two are is Fooled <laughs> by Randomness and Stumbling on Happiness. I was like, wow, that's pretty. Because uh, sometimes we, mm -hmm. when we ask for recommendations, people just kind of put some letters because they didn't, they didn't know what to put on there. <laughs> yeah, those, like, well, are, those are real books to, that like, I think will change your life. Fooled by Randomness and Stumbling on Happiness. But when I looked them up, I was like, they're actually real books. Yeah. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit? Yeah. I was like, yeah, well, um, I chose them because they're two, my, two of my favorite books because so they can be so life-changing. So Fooled by Randomness, the subtitle is something like The Hidden Role of Chance in Markets and Life. And the gist of it is that we often overlook how much of what we do or what we accomplish or don't accomplish for that matter is a function of luck and things that are totally out of our control. And if we think that our success, our previous success, any previous success we may have had is predominantly because of something we did, that it wasn't because of all these external circumstances that are out of our control, then we may try and do the next thing thinking that it's all about me and you know I'm so smart and, and we're doomed to failure. Um, I think one of the number one cause, one of the number one factors that indicates how an entrepreneur may be um, might have a, a failed company is that the previous company they had was a success because again they think that it was all about them and it's usually not the case and so we just we just overlook uh, these things that are that are the real causes of the effects mm -hmm. that we are trying to make happen which kind of brings us to stumbling on happiness the premise of stumbling on happiness uh, is that. Almost every thought we have is designed to try to answer the question, what do I need to do to be happy to get that result that I want? Again, forgetting the whole luck factor. And and the problem is that we forget how bad we are at figuring out what will actually make us happy or unhappy. And, we, and we're really bad at predicting it to begin with. And we're even worse because we forget how bad we are at predicting it. And then even more, um, we think we're special. And what I mean by that is if you found a thousand people or a million people who got what you think it would take to be happy, who had that, and you asked them or interviewed them or checked with them to see if they're any happier than they were before they got it, or any happier than you are, um, you would discover that they're no more happy. So this constant search for happiness, which was a, a very important evolutionary thing, doesn't serve us well at all right now. It produces the exact opposite effect, often because we're constantly on a search for something that isn't going to give us what we want. And the end of the book is one of my favorite parts where um, the author Daniel Gilbert from Harvard says, if you want to learn how to be happy, go find a thousand people who've got what you want and see if they're happier and you'll discover that they're not. And what that'll do is it'll just make it so that when that thought pops up into your head that I need a million dollars to be happy or whatever it is, you just won't believe it anymore. And you'll be more content all the time because you're not on the the struggle or the rat race or the hamster wheel that you think you need to be on to get the thing you think that's going to make you happy. Cause you just won't, you know, it won't be an issue anymore. It won't be something that you're, you're guiding your life around this erroneous belief in this ridiculous thought. You can also, if you look it up, um, Daniel Gilbert, he did a Ted talk that, that does what he just, he does in 20 minutes, what I just did in two. Wow, I definitely have to check those out. Definitely, that those are. Okay. <laughs>
Perfect. Um, thank you very much for those yeah. recommendations. And like I said, uh, to those listening, you no, should it's just, see that. Uh, just making of, uh, an agreeable sound. I think that's a great uh, thing the to links do. and all that. So you guys can go ahead and look that up. And especially even the uh, TED Talk oh. by uh, Daniel Gilbert. Uh, the, yeah, go ahead. Okay, perfect. Uh, this next part is what we call speed uh -oh. round. Speed round is just, uh, uh, I have a couple questions here and then <laughs> it just gives us a little bit more uh, information about you as far as it's just fun way to kind of learn a little okay, more. Okay, well, I uh, think, uh, okay, and here we go. The last part is uh, <laughs> thanks is what I call it. It's basically three thank yous that uh, I like uh, to never, uh, give out the hell? and then uh, we'll close off the episode. How's that uh, I don't have one. Okay. Well, I can't think of anything that. So, I, uh, no, okay, question, here's the one that popped in my mind: uh, getting my toe caught in okay. the drain at the bottom uh, of the swimming your pool. Your greatest fear. I know. No fear yeah. whatsoever. One thing I can live without: um, almost all of the internet. Wow, that's very specific. Well, I can't literally okay. live without it because I'm running my business on it, and that's what uh, I do. But, but I was driving down the street one day, just fantasizing about changing my email address so that yeah. only you know my closest friends knew how to find me, and then getting off All the rest the of the internet entirely. And that was a blissful twenty minute drive. Yeah. Oh wow! Um, last night uh, on Netflix, we right. watched um, um, uh, "Dolomite Is My Name," the new Eddie Murphy movie. <laughs> Uh, Dolomite is my name. So. It's the new movie by Eddie Murphy. I loved it. Well, you know, I go back and forth between the Flash, with who the Speed Force shoe yeah, is named yeah. after the Flash who gets his power from the Speed Force, Dolomite. and Spider Man. So okay. kind of depends on the day, but either Spider Man uh, or the Flash. Favorite superhero? Hmm. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. Let's see what you just learned a little more about the Speed Force. Um, well, those are all my questions. Uh, the next part are is uh, is thanks. Uh, so I have three thank yous that I always like to give uh, an episode, and the first one goes to you, uh, Stephen. Thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to my pleasure. You know, thank hop you on the show to really learn uh, a lot more about what minimal shoes are, the qualities of it, and what you guys are doing in Zero Shoes to help with this movement. Um, and so, like I said, thank you very much for jumping on. The second thank you goes to our listeners. Again, uh, we have this platform and we are so grateful to have listeners like yourselves. Uh, you could have been doing anything right now. You could have been watching a TED Talk. You could have been watching a new episode of Flash on Netflix. But you took the time to listen to this episode with Steven um, and to learn a little bit more about shoes, minimal shoes, um, and the improvements and updates of it and uh, what are the benefits of it. So thank you very much uh, for allowing us to, to provide you this educational experience. Uh, and again, to learn a little bit more on how you can live uh, your best life. The last thank you goes to our clients, our patients, our students, and those that we get to work with on a daily basis. We have a passion for what we do. Um, and to have people that value what we do is uh, incredibly important. If not, we would be speaking to space. So Thank you very much on uh, giving us this opportunity to share valuable skills um, and to really do what we love on a daily basis. So thank you very much. With that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you. 
and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.